guys. Welcome to episode 42 of the Single Mother Survival Guide podcast. My name is Julia Husher. I've got a really exciting guest on today, which I was listening back to this episode earlier in the week when I was staying with my ex, which I'll tell you all about in next week's episode. But it reminded me of some really good things to put into practice when I'm with him, because sometimes it's really easy to forget when you're in that moment. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Here it is. On the show with me today, I have Trish Everett. Trish is a communication consultant and mindset coach. She specializes in supporting people to have the conversations that matter and easing the heaviness that goes along with that. She's also a single mom who loves being a single mom. Hi, Trish. Welcome to the show. Hi, Julia. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. So Today, we're going to have a bit of a talk about some communication techniques and also creating a positive mindset in the hard times. But first of all, I thought we could talk a little bit about, um, you know, your, your story of becoming a single mom. I'd love to hear it if you're happy to share any of it. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so I don't even know where to start. Well, I became a single mom now. Oh, um, I'm not sure, quite a few a few years ago. Um, so maybe four years ago or five years ago, <laughs> somewhere <Yeah>. in there. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it, it's, it, it's really emotional. Like it really does stir up a huge, for me, it, it was a huge amount of sadness that um, ensued in the lead up to and after after we split, um, yeah, a huge amount of sadness that wasn't just about the breakdown of the relationship. It was the whole the whole gamut of what that meant for life, um, for me, for, for my ex, my kids. There was, yeah, it was just, I just remember it being a really sad, sad time. <laughs> yeah, I guess because um, the shattering of your dreams, of your sort of life together that you'd hoped for. Yeah, and there's so much in it. Like I think that there's something that happens kind of sort of on a primal level with that as well. Like, I don't know, it it, it, it was, um, yeah, I, I kind of felt a bit surprised at absolutely how deep that sadness went, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, and, but I, I also feel that through all of that it became... Like the sadness as it unraveled, I learned so much more about who I was and myself and where that sadness was coming. It was almost like that sadness dug a well deeper, deeper, deeper into myself where there was this whole other chasm of sadness that actually had nothing to do with me as a parent or as a partner. It was it was a lot deeper and it, it actually gave me access to process a whole lot of stuff that I've been walking around with that I really didn't need to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it it also, I mean, like I guess what it what else it brought out in me is that I kind of needed to stand up for what I wanted and what I needed to happen after we broke up in terms of becoming co-parents um, at the same time as understanding and not um shutting down on my ex at that point so it was 
it was like we had to make this concerted effort between us to still see each other as people and as people that we both still cared about. Um, but at the same time, both of us still needed to stand up what for what would work for each of us in moving forward. So that also was a big um, part of, yeah, learning, learning in terms of one part of it was to process a, a grief that was quite deep. And the other side of it was to learn how to um, stand up for myself but still have compassion and empathy for the person who I was having to stand up and I don't want to really use the word against, but, you know, stand up in conversation with. Yeah. Did you, yeah. do you think that you sort of in the past didn't sort of stand up for yourself when you were together as well? Or was that something that you really only sort of realised that sort of came about when your relationship ended? Um, I think I've been aware of that pattern. Like I, I, affectionately call myself a recovering harmony junkie <laughs> in that I I really value harmony and if that meant not speaking what I wanted or speaking what was up with me um, that I would just swallow that in the sake of harmony um, and that's a long held pattern for me and you know, it, I was in recovery, you know, trying to speak up more for myself in the relationship, but then the, the separation meant that that really was something that became quite important yeah. <laughs> quite quickly um, because, yeah, it was it was starting to, you know, um, be the rest of, of my life. The understanding and the empathy comes quite easily to me but the, the standing up and giving that to myself was more challenging. So in a way that that really did, you know, put me through my paces and put in a few good hard hours of learning how to do that for myself. Yeah. Yeah. So how many children have you got? Two. And so how did you, how did you find that you coped when you first became a single mum when you were dealing with all of that? Did you have a lot of support around you or Yeah, I was I was really lucky. I um I I had a friend when when I, who was my doula um when my kids were born. And I remember I was at home, my kids are very close together, they're sort of sixteen months apart. And she came over when I was home with two babies, like well, with a toddler and a baby, and she'd just been to a guitar lesson and she was going away on a retreat that weekend. And she's a single mum without a lot of support from, at that point in time, from either of the dads. And I was just sort of flabbergasted, like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, how do you have all these things going on in your life that are really self-nurturing when you're a single mum of two kids? And she said to me, I built a really good community. Like, I, I you know, it was work and, um, but it was, you know, rewarding, but it was something that she had done very sort of consistently and, you know, stepping beyond the friendship into really building friendships that support a supportive in both ways, two-way supportive relationships around the social circle. Yeah. And that was it. At that point in time, I was like, right, that's what I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I was new in the area and I didn't know a lot of people. So I very much 
you know, was building my friendships, but at the same time I was also building a two-way support network. So I'd been doing that, um, that kind of building support for myself before I became a single mum. So when I became a single mum, I felt like I already had a lot of support from that network that I'd been building. Yeah. And it's actually one thing that, um, yeah, it's funny because, you know, I have I have similar things happen to me now with um, my coupled parents' friends. It's like, how do you do that, Trish? How do you have this? <laughs> like, wow, I have this beautiful community. You know, you don't have to just do that. Like, single parents do it really well because we have to. <laughs> Absolutely. And, yeah, yeah. And it's... It, it makes it it makes so much more possible and you know I remember at that point my kids were quite young and I needed adult conversation yeah, <laughs> and I would have sleepovers with my friends and our kids would go to sleep and then we could sit up and we could have that adult conversation so yeah. I guess I had that in place but then that definitely strengthened as I became a single mum yeah yeah, that's, I think I totally agree. I always say to women who become single mums, you need to, you need to build up your sort of tribe of people around you. And I think there's so many benefits as well to becoming friends with other single mothers or single parents because you're going through the same challenges and you can do babysitting, swapping, not to say that you can't do that with, you know, other parents as well, but I just think you can really build up a really great community where you just sort of all help each other yeah yeah absolutely yeah and my community is a beautiful balance of both single parents and of couple parents and yeah. of people who don't have kids at all yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or who or who have kids that have left home or um yeah and I mean like I think it's beautiful for my kids that they have this community of people that they have relationships with of all ages um, that they they wouldn't have if there wasn't a community there. Yeah, absolutely. Whereabouts do you live? Um, I'm in the Bega Valley. Ah, oh, beautiful. So, yeah, southern New South Wales, near the coast. Very nice. Um, okay, so tell me about, well, why don't you tell me a bit about your business first before we talk about, with, with your background and stuff, before we talk about sort of a, an empowered co-parenting relationship? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my business um, is very much centred and has been centred around how do we communicate in a way that where we hear the other person but we're also you know, respecting and standing up for ourselves, which is very much what I got put through my paces with when I became a single mum. And it's always been something that is um, very interesting to me. It was part of my passion when I worked as a school principal in an Aboriginal school. There were, you know, how how do we make sure that the people who need to have a voice have a voice? So it's, it's, you know, it's taken different forms in my life, this fascination with having a voice and being able to speak up and at the same time being able to hear and have that two-way communication side of it. And when I became a single mum, my business was very much centred around this in schools. Um, and 
I ended up sort of, that was just a bit too much for me at that point in time. So I ended up working a lot with parents and being a single parent, I actually worked with a lot of single parents around the communication stuff and how do you talk through and negotiate that exactly that, what you want, but still seeing the other person as a person, not turning them into the big evil person over there. <laughs> yeah, me So that was very much... Yeah, yeah, the against stuff, like yeah. it really doesn't need to be a war, I don't believe. And it, 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 it can so easily get to that place, especially because there is so much hurt that goes along with it. And in that hurt, so many hurtful things get said. And it's also in the lead up to the separation, like so much in that before, during and after period can get really ugly and people stop seeing each other as people and it, it, it can become really, yeah, really difficult for everybody involved. It gets really murky. So um, I was working sort of, yeah, then a lot of my work was around single parents. And from there I've sort of I've meandered around just doing um, this communication work with with different people and the mindset stuff as well because the mindset side of it is huge and that's how you know in our thinking we're seeing the world outside of us so (laughs) it's part of that ability to be able to see the other person as a person Um, and now my business is very much about um, that interpersonal communication in workplaces so I've had a little bit of a shift recently um, still working with some some people around their individual relationships, but yeah, moving more into an organisational overview of what those what that that communication side of it looks like. Fantastic. Okay, so let's talk about um, that sort of ideal sort of co-parenting relationship. How? How do we get that? Because I know that is so hard for so many people, especially, I guess, communication, because, you know, most single mums will tell you that at some stage or other they've probably had issues when it comes to communicating with their exes. What, how do we get, what are some good communication techniques and how do we get a great co-parenting relationship? Sorry, there's two questions there. Mm. <laughs> Let's start with, should we start with? Yeah, that's okay, I've got it. <laughs> Well, I think the thing that, that we really need to look at before that is it's we each person needs to take responsibility for processing their own emotions around it because there's going to be a total really potent cocktail. Like we're talking double, um, what is it? Um, what are those really strong cocktails? Long Island teas. Like we're talking that kind of cocktail of emotion. It's not <laughs> that's going to be bubbling up for people. And, yeah. and there's going to be a mixture of sadness, of fear, of anger in different strengths of annoyance of, um, yeah, and we can very much, very quickly, if those emotions overpower us, not want to take responsibility and that's where the blame game comes in and so I feel like the first part of it is to really start to own our own emotions when we're feeling angry at our exes to look at okay I'm angry but it's 
it, it's very, it's, anger's a really tricky one because anger, you have to be angry at something. Yeah. <laughs> so it's very easy to blame the person you're angry at for the anger that you're feeling. Um, anger generally means that there's a boundary that hasn't been put in place. So instead of um, blaming the other person, you can look at, well, what boundaries can I put in place? If it's sadness, it tends to be about needing to let go of something. So it can, instead of blaming the other person for feeling really sad, it can be, well, what do I need to let go of so that I can move my way through this sadness? Yeah. Um, and if it's fear, it's some need of needing to be protection, which can go in with the anger as well. So really trying to find some way to process those emotions, I think, I think is a really important part of becoming a co-parent. So for me, I dance every single day. Yeah. <laughs> I do um, a dance practice that is very much about moving through my emotions. And so every day when I was going through the breakup and on the other side of it, I would just dance out my tears, dance out my anger, and that's how I did it. My ex, on the other hand, he's a meditator, so he would meditate and so he would process his emotions in that way. But, you know, there's so many ways to do it, going for runs, writing in a journal, talking with friends, having a coach. Um, there's, you know, we all have our own mechanisms that we use to process those emotions. And I feel like really the first step to it is to own that they're your feelings and that you are responsible for them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so I feel like that's kind of the, the precursor to being able to step into the communication side of it. Because if that doesn't happen, the conversation goes completely, as soon as those big feelings start coming up, Without that ownership of the feeling, it just tumbles into a horrible blame game that doesn't get anywhere. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's just like two people shouting at each other, not even really listening to what the other person Ooh. is saying. It's just like blaming, 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 blaming. Nothing's actually getting resolved. <laughs> yes. Yes, and it's not working through anything because all that it's doing is there's a beautiful cartoon that Brene Brown does around this. And it's talking about, um, well, maybe I'm making it up, but it's, that, <laughs> that that sort of, um, that it's like you're, you're wanting to throw up these feelings onto somebody else. Like they're too much for you and so you want to get them out and you kind of throw them up onto somebody else and then they throw them back up onto you and it's kind of gross. But it's probably not Brene Brown. I think that's I'm seeing of hers that I've then had some other visual on top of. <laughs> but, you know, if you can imagine that, when that blame game is going on, like what you're basically doing is you're throwing up on your ex, they're throwing up on you, and no wonder it feels so gross and icky because yeah. there's this horrible... You know, whereas if we own our own emotions and, okay, yep, we need to digest them, they don't feel good, but they're ours and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see them through and I'm going to digest them myself, then you're in a much different place in that conversation. Yeah, that's really good advice. Yeah. It's really hard, isn't it? I don't know. I think a lot of people, they sort of think, I'm doing everything perfectly and... 
it's it is my ex's fault because they can't communicate with me you know they're a bad communicator i'm doing everything great nothing is my fault um you know how do they how do you deal with someone who i mean obviously you you do have to take a bit of responsibility because it's a two-way street but how do you deal with those people that really are difficult to communicate with and you really are you feel like you're doing the right thing because there's so many women who I know they they really try so hard to communicate with their exes they're very you know they listen and they they try to sort of you know keep calm and keep the peace but their exes are really really difficult like they are those people that hold on to anger they've got so much anger in them or they've got sadness they probably haven't really passed through the grief cycle those sort of people are just really hard to communicate with aren't they yeah it's super hard to communicate it's it's almost like listening like listening becomes this whole other thing (laughs) um it's almost like you have to listen through the rubbish because you know because the other thing is that it beautifully you can get to this place where you know neither person is you know where both people are owning their own stuff and there isn't blame throwing both ways you know that's that's the ideal but it doesn't always work out that way it can be one person that is owning their own stuff then the other one is still trying to fling stuff onto them yeah yeah um and this i think like so there's a couple of parts to this because you know we are complex beings (laughs) (laughs) one is the first part is to really have a strong boundary of i'm not taking your stuff on like you know you can fling it at me but it's yours and i'm not taking it on and this was a really hard learned lesson for myself because I'm a little sponge (laughs) and you know being a recovering harmony junkie this was also something that um it's that when when these things were being thrown at me when blame was coming on I was going I was taking it on and going oh my god it is my fault oh my you know like or oh I did do oh really oh I'm sorry you know I was in this place of um, taking it on and I would just feel so sad and I would just not have a really clear boundary of going, ah, no, that's, that's, that's your stuff. I'm hearing you, but I'm not going to take on all that blame that's coming with it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like you, the boundary becomes a bit of a translator <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where you're trying to decipher underneath the blame and the anger and the sadness and the grief what it is that they are really saying and it can be things like that they that they're you know they could be really sad and be doing doing things that yeah are really unkind because they've sort of shut that they've shut you off as a person and they're very in in a very very dodgy sort of not kind horrible way trying to say that they're in pain and that they miss you or that they miss that the life that they had but they're they're flinging all this horrible stuff because it's their pain that's just is talking it's not 
it's not the truth of them. So I think the first part of it is to listen, but with this really strong boundary that is not taking any of their stuff on and has a translator built in where you're trying to hear underneath the anger and underneath the sadness, underneath that Long Island tea that they have bubbling over on the cocktail of emotion side, that they're not going to... um, that you're not going to let them throw that on you. You're not going to let them throw up on you. You're going to have a really strong boundary and it's going to be unpleasant. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's going to be really, really unpleasant to listen through all of that stuff. But uh, quite often they they want to feel heard Mm -hmm. and if you can listen to underneath it, to underneath that translation of the anger and the sadness and the fear, and be able to reflect that back to them, what you're understanding underneath that, then they're going to start to feel heard. But the moment that we start reacting to the blame, like, no, I didn't do that, oh, it's not my fault and you can't put that on me, and diving into that dialogue that's coming from that horrible blame stuff that's being thrown at us, then you're in that game and you're not, you're not getting to the depth of it. You're not actually able to get underneath where the anger and all of that is bubbling up. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's really good advice. I think, um, yeah, like that's, that's what I always say as well. I say, you know, it's not about you. Usually people like that, they've got their own things going on. It's not actually about you. It's about their emotions that they're feeling and also hurtful words that they say. They're not it doesn't mean they're factual, so you don't have to believe it. It's just their opinion, you know, so you don't have to take that on. And, yeah, like you said, don't react. Like, just listen. But I really like um, – it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, I don't know what they call it, but it's like that parenting technique where you're sort of like you listen to your kids and you're being really empathetic, you know, and you're like, I know you really want to watch television, but, you know, it's so sad, but we have to go to bed now. <laughs> And you feel like a bit of an idiot doing it because you're like, really? Like, come on. But like, (laughs) it's kind of almost like that with adults as well. You have to really, I guess there is sort of a hidden, a hidden message that they're trying to convey that maybe they don't even really understand themselves, you know, but you're, yeah, seeing, reading sort of through those lines, between the lines. Yeah. Yeah. It's trying to, yeah, understand, like even just putting like, in terms of like how you're listening, if you can listen with a really good dollop of curiosity, (laughs) curiosity is like, you know, like really, wow, what's going on for them? Like really wanting to understand, like, like you're, you're trying to, I don't know, you're looking at something that you're really, really curious about and you want to understand what is it that's going on for them and going in with that sort of energy rather than, all right, no, I have to get out of this what I want, you know, Um, and it's a balance, like it's it's holding firm on that, but it's, um, yeah, with that curiosity of what's going on for them. And then I guess the next step, because you mentioned empathy, is once you kind of can understand what's going on for them under the surface, to, to really allow yourself to imagine what it must be like for them in their shoes. Because, 
you know, and it's both ways. Like, and also really understand what it's like for you in there and give credence to that as well. Yeah. So really try to build that two-way understanding of what each other's experience is like before you get to the, you know, the organisation of how you're going to organise your co-parenting relationship, who's going to have the kids when and how's it going to work. And before you get into all of that, to really try to feel into what's your truth and what's that truth that's going on for them. Mm. So, um, yeah, I feel that that's a really powerful thing. Yeah, no, that's really good. That's really good advice. It's a working progress as well, isn't it? Like it's not going to change and be in, yeah. in a week, you know. It, sometimes it takes years. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I know in my own experience, like if you got, we kind of, like there's healing that needs to happen. I know for me personally, like, you know, I'll have these little little spikes of and it'll be like an anger or annoyance that will come up about something and it's like, oh, okay, there's still something there that I need to, you know, that I haven't got a boundary around or that I'm still holding on to that I don't need to be holding on to anymore. Yeah. And I can't... Um, uh, the importance of that self worth work in and worth self worth and self worth yeah. <laughs> both of them together is um, <laughs> is just so it's so important like to like I've done all kinds of you know healing work for myself and that can be something like going and getting a massage or going and seeing. Um, different people that can help me work through different things or doing practices for myself to just keep on clearing it away because it's heavy and it's hard especially if you're in that negotiation part where you you you, you're still having to get to a place where you know things are are working well together yeah um and to make a commitment to keep on seeing them as a person like to not turn them into the evildoer (laughs) to keep making a concern because as soon as you do that it becomes hard even if they're doing that to you if you can hold out without turning them into the evildoer and just keep seeing them as a person who is struggling with anger and who's struggling with these really high level you know, emotion cocktail that's going on. If you can keep seeing them as a person, at least you keep the softness over your eyes. Do you know what I mean? You know how when the eyes go hard and you see it happen with your with your exes and they will see it happen with you, but the point where you stop seeing them as a person and yeah. you start seeing them as a thing, Yeah. if you can keep that open, if you can keep softening that and seeing them as a person, yeah. it it changes the dynamic and in terms of patterns like the thing is that the patterns that were going on in your relationship that led to you breaking up are still going to be there on the other side (laughs) like and they they tend to be the really deep-rooted ones for both of you um and when you change a pattern like if you think about you know the, you know how your kids do those things where you put the nails in the board and you do string in between them and you make a pattern? 
Oh, yep, yep. Yep, so if you can imagine a board where you have nails down one side, nails down the other, and you have the string running in between the nails, and it makes a pattern. You are completely in control of the nails on your side, so you can move them around, and as soon as you do, it changes the pattern. It's the same with communication. As soon as you change your own pattern of communicating, the own, your side of it, the, the dynamic of communication changes even if they don't change anything. So does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> you, like, my own situation, yeah. It's, it's quite amazing actually. It's hard to do, but once you do it, you start noticing and you're like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the, thing that can, the thing that we can get trapped in, and I know that I am like I've really had to work on this in myself, is that feeling of feeling trapped or feeling stuck by what happens on the other side of separation even though you may have felt that in the relationship it's a different dynamic because if you feel stuck there's somebody that is in your life that has power over some part of it and if you if you get into that place of feeling powerless and that you're stuck and that you're trapped in the circumstance that you've found yourself in that can be a really disempowered place but I, I guess that 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 knowledge that if I change my own patterns if I do things differently then I still have power to change my world the way that I want it to you know I still have power over myself and my life <laughs> definitely and I think that sort of brings us a little bit onto the topic of you know, creating a positive mindset because what you're saying is I think a lot of single mothers can relate to or a lot of the ones that I've spoken to, they sort of have this mentality of, um, especially if there's, you know, constant arguments, it's sort of quite depressing for them. They're like, oh, my God, like this is never going to end. Like I can't believe I have to put up with this crap forever. You know, now like everything becomes negative and they sort of start to see themselves or, you know, sometimes we see ourselves as a victim of life and you can't even, everything is an excuse, like being a single mum sort of becomes an excuse for not doing things. You know, I can't do that. Like I'm never going to have time to myself again. I'm a single mother. Like how is that supposed to work? You know, everything is negative. And I think mindset is so huge and so important for us to get into a positive mindset, especially in those difficult times where it's so easy to get into that sort of spiral of negativity. So what are your tips for sort of creating a positive mindset in those hard times? Yeah. Okay. So I feel like there's a couple of parts to it, of course. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's, it's, I guess it's kind of like, not so much. I mean, like, yeah, it's a positive mindset, but it's more of a kind of a growth mindset. I think like I'm actually, I have a, like I feel really grateful for my journey through this because I have um I feel like I'm so much more myself on the other side of it um and not just my more myself than I was when I was a coupled parent but more myself than I had been my whole life because I've had to I've had to learn how to not run away from conflict. I've had to stand up for myself. I've had to um, process really 
irky emotions that like will hit me at two o'clock in the morning and I'll just all of a sudden be furious. I've had to either work through them and and act on them in a way that's going to help my life to move forward in a way that I want to, what I want it to. So I feel like it has been one of the most incredible self-learning tools that um the tools is a bizarre word for me to use <laughs> but the experience yeah. has brought up so much personal growth that I I have a lot of respect for that journey that I've gone through and continue to go through it's not finite like it, it keeps going yeah <laughs> um and I have to constantly keep looking at every time, um, you know, annoyance or sadness or something around it comes up. It's, I guess that, yeah, so my mindset around it is very much a growth mindset. And with the other single parents I've worked with, when you can make that shift into, well, what's the, what's the growth that I can get from this? Then, then the painful times become an opportunity. They become an opportunity to grow, to become more of the truth of who we are. Like I, I kind of have that feeling of life throws at us what we can handle so that we can grow. And even though it's horrible at times and really ooky, to be able to see where the personal growth is in it is, is huge. I think I feel that there's... There's so much in that to be able to, even in the hard times where it just feels so ooky, to look at how you can grow through that, I think is one one part of the mindset part of it. Yeah. Um, and also, like, the positive side of it is to really celebrate the wins, like celebrate the, oh, my gosh, that was a great conversation like it was hard and it was heavy but oh I you know one it might just be that you survived it that you you know (laughs) or that you you didn't you didn't bite back with that remark okay you bit back on the next one but okay on that one you didn't bite back the remark and on that one you did and have it more about wins about the process rather than wins about getting what you want so to shift it from a an end goal to more of, um, you know, wins on the way. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. <clears throat> and I think that that's really helpful. And to and to bring that more positivity into, like, there's some absolute jewels in the life of a single parent. Like, there's that beautiful, like, you and your kid time that is in this beautiful bubble that you get to to share with them with I don't know there's something about that that it's just so special I agree and there's um this special bond yeah like we we get this like sometimes it can feel like you have um your freedom's being clipped but in other ways your freedom is is being is more than what you get in a coupled parent. Yeah. And if you're in a in a co-parenting situation where you have time where your kids are with your with your ex, then that gives you this this bubble of time that you know all my coupled parents look at me jealously yeah. <laughs> and go, ah, oh, you know, you've got this, you've got a night off. Wow. I know. And we I are lucky. Them, well, you know, you can negotiate that within the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> 
I know we are lucky getting that. It's not it's not something that a lot of parents get. I think I don't get a lot of regular time without my daughter, but every couple of months I'll have about six days, and <laughs> all my other parent friends who are in a relationship are like, "I'm so yeah. jealous," you know. <laughs> like, you just got to work it out. You can do it. Just take turns or something. But um, yeah. <laughs> we are lucky. We definitely get probably more time to ourselves um, than yeah. other parents. Apart from, I mean, there's a lot of single parents that really don't, but as as a general rule, probably we do get more alone time. Yeah, and and you know, even um, and, and I don't know, we get better at that community building. So even when there isn't the support there of of the ex, then it can be, you know, you you can get it in other ways. So start to get a bit crafty about, you know. <laughs> And you get that that little bit of time to do the self-care or to find ways to do self-care with your kids there and that sort of thing. But um, I've gone off on a tangent. So, yeah, that um, like really reveling in the things that are positive about being a single parent and, yeah, really allowing that to... Um, you know, to be to be um, forefront and stepping into the empowerment side of it, like it, it's to to be making these positive action as well as the positive thinking about it is is going to fuel that positive side of it. So that and it will help that feeling of being trapped. Like feeling trapped can one way to to get out of feeling trapped is to make positive action towards not feeling trapped anymore. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. So just, yeah, celebrating the win. Celebrating the wins. Definitely. So do you think that's been the best part for you about becoming a single parent, the sort of personal growth that you've been able to experience? Um, Yeah. I don't know about the, you know, I think it's definitely been, yeah, one of the, one of the parts of it. Um, yeah the personal growth has been you know huge and I don't do best very well because then I have to compare things and I feel that um yeah like no it might be it may well be the best like um that growth that I've been through and you know, I think in a lot of ways it's, yeah, I, I feel like it's been, yeah, I guess that would probably, yeah, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever thought I had formulating this is not coming together. <laughs> you mentioned a few of the other benefits that you had encountered, like the bonding with your children and the alone time that you get to have too, which is really good. I think there's so many benefits of becoming a single parent. It's easy to look at the negative, but there are yeah. so many positive things. Yeah, and I would, I'd also say that, like, when I became a single parent, I looked in to some of the Facebook groups that were the single parents to look for, you know, online. For, and a lot of them were really, like, just a blame, um, yeah. a blame fest. Like, yes. you know, just my, my, my ex did this and they did this and it's just this, like onslaught of negativity that 
can that we can all fall into and I look I'm not saying you know can't be negative I've had definitely had my times of being quite negative (laughs) (laughs) and you know wanting to fling blame and you know and there's times where you know I'll have conversations with someone and I will just be you know completely blame 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 and then I kind of get to the bottom of the end of it and I feel sick because I think the reason that when I would do that I would feel sick is that it would be um, when when you blame somebody, we're we're putting the responsibility for how we feel onto somebody else. Yeah. And the moment that we do that, we we're actually disempowering ourselves. Like we're not no, we no longer have the power to change it because we've given that power to somebody else. So by blaming, we're putting responsibility for how we feel on somebody else. So what that means is that we're then dependent on them changing to fix the way we feel. Yeah, that's really true. So, yeah, so if we, do, if we don't blame, and I think that's why I would feel sick because I would get to the end of these conversations where I'd be all like blameful and I no longer had power over changing it. They had to change. My ex had to change in order for me to feel better. And, oh, my God, is, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that is not the place you want to be in. You want to be in control of how you feel so that you can change it and they can do whatever they're going to do because that's what's going to happen. But if my happiness was um, based on them changing so that my I wouldn't feel so bad, then, yeah, that's not a not a good place to be. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah yeah go sorry I was gonna say it's kind of like the serenity prayer and I like recite that to myself so often which is I don't know if you know it but it's grant me the okay. serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference and it's kind of ties in with that yes. I guess, because you have to just accept what you cannot change but on your end you can change the things that you can change and you're in control of that you know, but you can't really control what other people do that have to accept it, but you can change things, you know, and that'll have that flow and effect to the relationship, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, in that, accept the things you cannot change. That's what is going to, you know, that's your partner. So you don't want to add things that are going to make you happy to that mix by putting blame in there. Exactly. Um, That was just one thing. But where I was originally going with that is that those Facebook groups that were filled with negativity and needing people needing to kind of get out that 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 negativity that was going on can be really dangerous places. I think because you can really fall. You know, then you have like a cheer squad behind you going blame, 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 blame. You know what I mean? Like it. It, it, you want to surround yourself with with people and places that are going to support the positive side of it. Like you still want to process. There's going to be negative stuff, and I'm not saying just turn that off. It's not there because it totally is. But that's where the the growth happens. Is that the negative stuff is actually acts like a little flag. Like, oh, flag's gone up. Something's not right. I either need to. You know, like you were saying with the serenity prayer, I either need to accept something or change something. Yeah. And now I need to figure out which one it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I agree. And like those, some of the groups, some of those single parenting groups are very negative and it's, it just feeds that 
sort of um, negativity in your brain where you start looking for things to blame and negative about and, oh, yeah, my ex did that and, oh, my God, you know, like you really got to try it to be clear. There's nothing wrong with a rant occasionally, I think. Like I think everybody needs no, to not at all. sometimes. It's- but, like, yeah, if it's constant um, blaming and stuff, it's really just not going to get you anywhere except get you upset, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, yeah, there's definitely a place to let that out, but it's to make sure that that's balanced with uh, with the other side of it. Like, um, yeah, like one of the things I would do is I would journal like all of the rah that I'd have going on yeah, yeah. Um, and write it down and, and then, you know, I read back through it and you know, really question how true that was, how much assumption was in there, how much I was projecting, how much that I could take back as my own, um, kind of look for the keys in it. Yeah. Um, And then I would always kind of um, compliment after doing that, after I got it all out and I was feeling okay. Like try and try and then write it out in terms of understanding what's going on for them, understanding what's going on for me, and try and dissect it so I can get to that translated level for myself. Because you know how at the start we were talking about, you know, having that that boundary there with a the translator if they're slinging blame at you. Yeah, we've got to turn that in on ourselves as well. When we start slinging blame and fault, turn that in on ourselves and try and translate. Well, what's really happening? Yes. What's underneath that? Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, we better finish up. Let me just ask you one last question. Do you have any advice for any new single mum, any new recent single mum? Yeah, so my advice would be to let yourself feel it and to own it and to, and I think also a big part of it is that feeling of hopelessness that can come in (laughs) like, Oh God, it's always going to be horrible. It's always going to be hard. And I remember that feeling so strongly and it's to really have hope and belief that it's going to change and it's going to be different and that you have the power to make your life. It can still be wonderful. It can still be full and it will come about in new and surprising ways. So to really start to believe in that and start to forge your own path forward where you're really empowered. Oh, and one last little thing, which is like a really practical thing, would be to write down what it is that you want. Like really like spend a bit of time visioning like your life is new now it's different it's going on a different path start to really and do and regularly do this as you go along like look at what do you want your life to be now what do you want how would you what would your ideal co-parent relationship look like how does what would you like that to be and what would you like your, you know, your career to look like now? What do you want your relationship with your kids to look like now? And, and keep going back into that vision because it kind of, visioning so powerful, it really does create this, uh, and this really potent creative energy that pulls you towards where you want to go. Yeah, so I agree. Start to get clear on where it is you want to go. So, yeah, I, that, that would be it. So owning 
really getting connected with yourself and processing your own stuff. Um, yeah, learning to communicate, standing up for yourself, still remembering to see them as who they are. And, and don't lose the, the belief that your life can go in a really positive, amazing direction and to allow yourself to dream without the, oh, I can't have that. As soon as you have an, oh, I can't have that come up, take that away. Yeah, <laughs> take it away it's and go, okay, look, I don't know how I'm going to have that now, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep being open and to a creative way of me having that coming in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, yeah, like you said, it is a new chapter. It's a fresh start. You really can create any future that you want. You just have to, you know, it's a working progress. So don't be too hard on yourselves, I think. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a huge one. Yeah. I love that, Julia. Yeah. Let's, let's not be hard on ourselves. <laughs> oh, and yeah. And on that, if, if you have a conversation where you do like bite back or jump into blame or, you know, get those old patterns going like that, you know, it's going to happen. <laughs> it still happens to me. Like I can totally yeah. just, you know, we're, it's all a work in progress. So, you know, chalk it up to learning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's a good thing. I think, you know, I completely agree with what you said um, about how you've got to know yourself so much better and you've really grown it as a person through this whole process. I've been exactly the same. And I really feel like for me, I've never been happier than I am now, like in my whole life, you know, not just since I got out of my relationship or anything like this is really the happiest I've ever been. And I think it is because of all that personal growth and realizing what you want and who you are. And, you know, it's like, I think having a child or children, it really makes you go, okay, you know, this is not a dress rehearsal. Like my life is my life. It's <laughs> so cliche, but you only live once. So you've just got to really make the most of it. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I concur completely. That's beautiful. Yep. Thank you so much, Trish, for coming onto the show with me today. I'm going to put your um, website, which is trisheverett.com.au, in the show notes, and there's some information there about your coaching and consultancy and your blog. So if anybody wants to check that out, and I'll put your social media links there as well. Thank you so much for sharing your story and you know, sharing your tips and advice on communicating and mindset. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. Ah, oh, a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Being wonderful to talk. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, have a great day. Yeah, you too. Okay. Bye. Bye. That was awesome. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that chat with Trish just as much. I enjoyed having it with her. She provides some. She provided some really useful, actionable tips, which we can all put into practice. It's not easy dealing with someone on a constant basis when you don't have a good relationship. And unfortunately for us single moms, we don't often have a good relationship with our exes. You know, probably that's why we broke up. So she's got some really good advice. So yeah, I'm going to be putting that into practice as well. Come and have a look at my website if you need some help or some one-on-one mentoring. Um, if you go to www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com, you can look at how I can help you under the services. So I'd love to hear from you. If you want to book in for, for a clarity call, we can do that as well. If you need some online support, please join my Single Mother Survival Guide support forum on Facebook. There is a link to that Facebook group 
on my homepage of my website. Okay, so you just click on that. It'll take you straight to the group and then just put a join request through and then I can add you to that. It's always nice to get online support from people, I think. I would absolutely love it if you guys could rate these podcasts on iTunes as well. To do that, you go to your podcast app. Then on the bottom right-hand side, you can go to search. So you do this regardless of if you have subscribed or not. So you click on search, then you type in Single Mother Survival Guide, and then you click below the episodes. Underneath that is the whole cover art, you know, Single Mother Survival Guide. So you click on that, and then these tabs will come up, and one of them is reviews. So if you click on reviews, you then have the option to write a review, which it says in purple on mine anyway. So you click on write a review and then you put in your your iTunes password and then all you have to do is you can leave your name, but you don't have to. And then you can rate or review this podcast. That would be amazing because it helps other single parents find this podcast easier, which, you know, I think is very beneficial to those who are feeling a little bit overwhelmed with the whole new single parent status I would love to hear from you as well. If you want to send me an email, feel free that you can find out how to contact me on my website and I'll also put my email in the show notes or you can connect with me on Facebook or Instagram at Single Mother Survival Guide. That's it for both. So yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys and I will speak to you guys next week. Have a really good week. Okay, bye.